This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. It's Zuma Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, (laughs) and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I can never listen to that beautiful Irish tenor voice that belonged to Dennis Day without thinking of my mother, Kitty Proctor. In her day, she had the most beautiful soprano voice that over the years charmed all who knew her. And she was a huge fan of Dennis Day's. I think it all stemmed back to her young years as a young Colleen in Toronto. Oh, she she wasn't born in uh, Ireland. She just wished she had been. No, she was born right here in Hogtown. I can remember sitting beside her listening to Dennis's own show or when he guested on the Jack Benny show and watch her eyes sparkle as she sang along with him. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. That was one of her favorites. And my dad's, too. It would give us kids kind of a guilty pleasure to watch his face as Kitty sang that song for him. And we had watched this tough ex-sergeant in the Canadian Army tried to hide his tears that inevitably would roll down his cheek. Well, enough of my family. How about giving you a taste of that voice that pleased so many when he entertained on the radio? Tonight, we'll hear an episode of A Day in the Life of Dennis Day entitled True Life Article, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Gentlemen, Colgate Dental Cream presents the Dennis Day Show, written by Frank Galen, with Dink Trout, Charles Dant of the Orchestra, yours truly, Vern Smith, and starring our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Here's Dennis singing Linda When I go to sleep I never count sheep I count all the charms About Linda And lately it's 
seems in all of my dreams. I walk with my arms about Linda. Ah, what good does it do me? For Linda doesn't know I exist. Can't help feeling gloomy. Think of all the loving I've missed. We pass on the street, my heart skips a beat. I say to myself, hello, Linda. If only she'd smile, I'd stop her a while. Then I would get to know Linda. But miracles still happen. And when my lucky star begins to shine... With one lucky break, I'll make Linda mine. Oh, miracles still happen. And when my lucky star begins to shine, with one lucky break, I'll make Linda mine. just about the last person in the whole world you'd suspect of being up to something devilish is the husband of our young hero's landlady. Loyal, dutiful, steady, fearful Mr. Anderson. But his daughter Mildred has been far from satisfied with her father's behavior during the past week, and so this morning she's decided to broach the subject to her boyfriend, Dennis Day, in his room. Dennis, what are you doing? Oh, listening to the radio. To the radio? Oh, I don't hear anything. I know, Fred Allen's on. I want to talk to you. Okay. Dennis, have you noticed anything odd or unusual about Dad lately? Your dad? No, Mildred. Why? Well, he's been acting strangely all week. Gee, really? He hasn't been near Mother for whole days at a time. And besides that, he's been acting strangely, huh? (laughs) We hardly ever see him anymore. By dinner, he barely gets through the first course before he disappears somewhere. I don't understand it. Me either. He certainly should be used to the food by now. (laughs) It isn't the food. My father's up to something. Oh, gosh, you really think so? I do. Dennis, you don't suppose... Oh, no. No, it's impossible. Well, that's silly. Nothing is impossible. What were you thinking of? Another woman. Beg pardon, I was wrong. It's utterly fantastic. Ridiculous. Still. Yeah, it's spring, and you know what they say about young men and their fancy. But Dad's not a young man, Dennis. Well, sometimes even his type runs across something fancy. (laughs) You really think it might be an affair d'amour? Oh, I don't know whether she's French or not. (laughs) But you do think he might be interested in another woman. 
Oh, Dennis, I can't believe it. Me either, really. But, Dennis, we've simply got to know the truth. Yeah. If it's what we suspect, we might be able to break it up before Mother hears about it. Think what'll happen to her if she finds out about my father. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes either. (laughs) Now, look. Daddy's in the next room. You're going in there and find out what he's up to. You mean right now? Yes, only for heaven's sakes, be tactful. If you're not subtle about it, he won't tell you a thing. Okay, I'll kind of ease into it slowly. I can be pretty sly, you know. Oh, good. I'll wait here for you. Go on now. Morning, Mr. Anderson. Morning, my boy. (laughs) What do you think of the Russian situation, Mr. Anderson? The Russian situation? Why, it's pretty complicated. Yeah, and do you know that half the population of Russia is women? Naturally. How's your love life lately? (laughs) My what? Mr. Anderson, I'm going to put my cards right on the table. I suspect you of going out with another woman. Anna, Dennis, have you ever seen me with another woman? No, sir. No. Have you ever heard me mention another woman's name or seen me even look at another woman at any time? No, sir. Well, then? Where are you hiding her? (laughs) I'm afraid we're discussing a pleasant impossibility. Believe me, it isn't so. No? Then where do you rush off to every night after dinner? To the public library. Aha! Now we're getting somewhere. A beautiful librarian, huh? Dennis, in the Weaverville Library, the only thing you find well-stacked are the books. (laughs) But what do you do at the library, then? Well, now, if you'll promise me to keep it a secret, I'll tell you. Oh, sure. I promise. All right. Now, I've been looking up some old newspaper files. You see, I've been writing a story. A story? That's right. I've already sent it to True Story magazine, and they want to publish it. Gee, what's it called? The Romance of Herbert Anderson. (laughs) Fiction, huh? You have just put your finger on the horrible problem that I now find myself faced with. You see, True Story magazine positively insists that every word they print is the absolute truth. Oh, and you didn't make your romance true. No, I made it interesting. (laughs) Now the magazine is sending a man here to authenticate my story before they publish it. Well, can he find anything false? I mean, just what did you say? Well, I described myself as a man of 50 with a desirable wife. You're dead. I could get by with that, but you see, as an added touch, I mentioned our children. Oh, one daughter could hardly be considered children, huh? Exactly. Well, maybe you could say it was a little mistake that you lost count. Well, (laughs) hardly, because I described the other child in considerable detail. A boy, I said it was. A brilliant boy who less than a year ago had received his doctorate from Harvard. Gee, you are in a mess. When will this fellow from True Story be here? This afternoon, according to the wire I got. This afternoon? Gosh, even if Mrs. Anders presented you with a son right now, he could never get through Harvard in time. Well, not a hard school like Harvard, no. Well, let's not give up yet, Mr. Anderson. There's got to be a way out of this thing somehow. Oh, I hope so. Now, don't you worry. I've got a brain and Mildred's got a brain, and between our two brains, she's sure to think of something.
so that's all it is. Oh, I think your father's in pretty big trouble, Mildred. Yes, but there's a way to get him out. That is, if you're willing. I knew you'd think of an idea. What's this one? A state or a federal offense? <laughs> well, it's very simple. Daddy has to produce a son for the man from True Story magazine. All right, you're the son. Me? Mildred, this thing's got to be realistic. But it is realistic. You're the right age, aren't you? Yes. Then you're the son he wrote about. A brilliant young man with a college degree. It is here that I feel we are veering toward fantasy. <laughs> Nonsense. Now, look, you told me the boy was a doctor. Yeah. All right. You go down to Dr. Hopkins' office. Huh? I'll send the man from True Story there, and when he arrives, he finds you wearing Dr. Hopkins' coat and sitting at his desk. He also finds Dr. Hopkins beating my brains out, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, no, because Dr. Hopkins won't be there. Somebody's made him go out on an emergency. Who? You. Oi. <laughs> All you have to do is tell the doctor someone's desperately ill. Pretend you're in a panic. Oh, that I can handle easily. Oh, good. And when the man from True Story gets there, you're the doctor, see? But, Mildred, really, oh, I... Oh, you can do it. Forget right now about being a soda clerk and start thinking about your new career. I am. Goodbye, Willoughby's Drugstore. Hello, Alcatraz. Come in, come in, come in. Dr. Hopkins, Dr. Hopkins. Yes, boy, what is it? An emergency, doctor, my sister. Your sister? Yeah, she's doubled up in agony. Her face has turned green, her teeth are falling out, and she's got a temperature of 109. What? Yeah, we think she's sick. Good gracious. Has she been in this condition long? Since January. January? Why do you come to me now? Well, today she started to complain. Could you go right away, doctor? Yeah, yes, of course. What's the address? 120 Cedar Road. It's out in the middle of the woods, ten miles from here. Good heavens. How could you have picked such an out-of-the-way spot? It wasn't easy. <laughs> I'd better call the hospital and have them drive me over in the ambulance. An ambulance? Of course. Yes, yes, yes. The driver will find the place. Doc, it's beautiful out. Why don't you walk? Don't be a fool. I'll go over to the hospital and pick up the ambulance there. And you stay here and watch the office for me till I get back. Understand? Yes, sir. Gee, it worked like a charm. This must be one of my abnormal days. Oh, gosh, what do I do now? Maybe it's Mildred. Hello? Yes, this is Dr. Hopkins' office, but... What? Your wife is about to have a baby, and what should you do? Well, humor her, I guess. Let her have it. <laughs> Mister, what a thing to say. You ought to have your phone ripped out. Yeah. The man from Troop Stories on his way down the hall. Uh -oh. Quick, put on that white coat and put the stethoscope around your neck. Hurry now. Okay. Oh, there he is. I'll slip behind the screen where he can't see. Come in. How do? I'm Mr. Weems of True Story Magazine. He told me I could find Mr. Anderson's son here. Yes, I'm Mr. Anderson's son. Dennis Day is the name. <laughs> Dennis Day? Your father's name is Herbert Anderson, and yours is Dennis Day? Uh, yeah, he didn't want people to call me Junior. <laughs> that explains your first name, but what about your last? Well, Daddy's a fellow takes no chances at all. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, I want to welcome you to my office and assure you that... Your office? Sure. On the front door, it says Dr. Hopkins. How come? Uh, let's let that one ride, shall we? <laughs> I may think of something later. Better come up with it now. I have a feeling I may not be here long. Well, um, uh, I just bought Dr. Hopkins' practice, and I haven't had time to take his name off the door yet. Hey, pretty good, huh? Yes. But why did you buy a medical practice? Oh, you know me, the man and wife. It says right in Dad's story that I got my doctorate a year ago. Yes, but your doctorate wasn't an M.D. It was a law degree from Harvard Law School. A law degree? You mean I'm a... I'm a... Try to guess. <laughs> a lawyer? Good boy. Yeah, yeah, of course I'm a lawyer. I was just having a little joke, that's all. Pretty funny, don't you think? <laughs> you bet, yes, sir. If you're a lawyer, why have you got on that white coat with a stethoscope around your neck? Oh, that's easy. When I chase ambulances, I like to dress for it. <laughs> I see. And all this equipment? What would a lawyer want with an x-ray machine? Oh, you'd be surprised how it turns up the hidden clauses in contracts. <laughs> and I suppose you use that examination table when you examine witnesses. Yeah, it helps me weed out the habeas corpuses from the corpus delicti. <laughs> this kind of fun, isn't it? <laughs> I hope so. You don't expect me to swallow this, do you, Mr. Day? I'd be terribly grateful. Well, you do have some awfully novel ideas for a lawyer Yeah, they come when I least expect them You and Clarence Darrow, eh? No, I like to work alone <laughs> Who has a better right? Well, Mr. Day, True Story magazine, as you know, prints nothing but the truth so until I can check on this matter elsewhere, I suggest you plead nolo contendere, so to speak. Oh, I will. I'll plead uh, just what you said. You're not familiar with that common legal phrase? I'm a Harvard man, Mr. Weems. We'd hardly learn common phrases there. <laughs> yes, naturally. But you do understand Latin, of course. Oh, of course. I'm simply lay with Attenley. are indeed loaded with something or other. <laughs> well, goodbye, Mr. Day. Let's not do it again real soon, shall we? Dennis, is he gone? Yeah. You know something, Mildred? I have a feeling he didn't believe a word I said. I'm afraid you're right. But there's nothing we can do now but hope for the best. Don't lose confidence. Oh, I won't. But just in case, when you get home tonight, would you bake me a cake with a file in it? Oh, oh, no, Dennis, you must Uh-oh, he's back again, quick, behind the screen Okay Come in Now look, Mr. Weems, I... Stand still, Doc This ain't a water pistol I got in my hand I need a doctor But, but... You're coming with me, Doc The boss needs you fast and he needs you bad A car just went past him and now he's got two bullets in his stomach Gosh, I realize that drivers are always thinking up new things to do to pedestrians, but... Come on, get your things on, Doc. I ain't fooling. No, no, wait. You're making a mistake. I'm not a doctor. No? Then what are you doing in this office with a white coat on and a stethoscope around your neck? <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I was trying to convince someone that I was a lawyer. <laughs> Sounds weak, huh? Doc, I'm warning you for the last time. The boss needs someone to pick those bullets out of him. And, and if I refuse? You go anyway. Then you and the boss can pick the bullets out of each other. I see what you mean. You're an excellent salesman. Thank you. Now, are you coming? Yes, sir. Only, only, what if I weren't a doctor? I'd blow your brains out, mister. Call me Doc. Come on, come on. We've wasted enough time. Our hideout is the old foster place on Pine Hill. Here, here's your little black bag. Now, come on, let's go. Yes, sir. Oh, Dennis, my poor darling. I've got to do something. But what? What? They're killing those horrible men. He'll be dead. And that fellow he takes the bullets out of, he won't do well either. <laughs> oh, i just got to do something. The foster place on Pine Hill. <laughs> Well, here he is, Chief. Oh, good work, Sam. Oh, Doc, you're just in time. These bullets went awful deep in my stomach. They did? Yeah, my head is split. <laughs> Boy, that is deep. <laughs> you better get right to work, Doc. I, I can't stand this pain much longer. Look, mister, at the risk of my life, there's something i got to tell you. I'm Shut not... Shut up, a... you, and get busy if you want to live. I'll take his pulse. Huh? You heard me take his pulse. Really, I don't think we should remove it in his condition. <laughs> what are you talking about? All you gotta do is feel it. Oh. Well, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and feel his pulse. Yes, sir. If you'll find it, I'll be glad to feel it. <laughs> oh. Never mind the pulse, Doc. A blood count is more important anyway. A blood count? Yeah, go ahead. Take one. Oh, I don't have to. I can tell without counting them that you have fewer than you used to. You know something, boss? I think you're in trouble. You're telling me. But the heat's on, Sam. We've got to get out of here. Oh, go after those bullets, Doc. I'll tell you what. Let's leave them in. A lot of iron and bullets, you know, and the system requires iron to... Shut break. up! <laughs> fine time. A fine time to be making jokes. Go on, examine his stomachs and see if you can locate them, them slugs. Okay. Steady now, Chief. Ow! Ticklish? <laughs> you fool! He can't stand that! Come on, give him an anesthetic. An anesthetic? Yeah, sure. You got something to put him asleep, ain't you? Well, I could read to him if you want me to. Are you crazy? You must have brought some ether with you in that bag. Let me see. Yeah, sure, sure. Here it is. Gee, I'm glad I remembered. Okay. Now, I'll pour some on my handkerchief and give it to him. There. There, that ought to do it. All right, now, Doc. You call for your instruments, and I'll hand them to you. But I... Call for your instruments. Okay. Knife. Knife. Smelling salts. Smell... <laughs> You're going to give him smelling salts? They're for me. Well, see that you don't need them, understand? Now... What else do you need? Forceps. Forceps. Band-Aid. Band-Aid? <laughs> I'll leave him looking neat afterwards, don't we? For crying out loud, Doc. Quit, 
Quit talking like a fool, will you, and start operating. Really, mister, look, Did you Did got... you hear me? Yes, sir, but I can't operate on this man. I'm not start a... Start operating. Yes, sir. Hey, what's that? Open up there! Open up in there! Okay, you. Stand where you are and get your hands up. The cops. Gee, just like David Harding, counter-spy. <laughs> Dennis, are you all right? Mildred and Mr. Weems. Sure, I'm all right. Well, what do you know? Sam McNulty and Scarface Fudnick. <laughs> We've been wanting these boys a long time. Congratulations, Doc. Well, well, so you've given up law and taken to medicine again, eh, Mr. Day? Gee, Mr. Weems, I bet you think I'm flighty, don't you? <laughs> he knows you aren't a lawyer, Dennis, or even Daddy's son. Yes, and of course we can't use Mr. Anderson's story. Oh? But it's quite possible that we can print the story of how you captured these gangsters single-handed. Gosh, really? Yes. Only remember, Mr. Day, this is True Story Magazine. We want the plain truth. And only the truth. Oh, sure. Well, it was like this. I was all alone in the doctor's office when all of a sudden ten men armed with Tommy guns and cutlasses jumped me. I fought like a demon and I was winning easily when all of a sudden one of them whips out an atom bomb. Well, naturally, I couldn't do much against that, so I waited my chance and then I went after the whole army. I hit one guy with a left, another with a right, and a third... The story of how Dennis Day routed the gangsters will not be found in True Story magazine. But the story of Dennis's life, entitled OK, I'll Talk, definitely is in the current issue. True Story magazine on sale at all newsstands. With Charles Dant in the orchestra, here's Dennis to sing the current favorite, I Want to Thank Your Folks. Just a couple of kids 
world suppose they hadn't thought of inviting me to see what I have missed and hear my thanks to you for making all my love dreams come true. But darling, to be perfectly frank, Sunday, and be sure and be with us again next week for another Dennis Day program. More songs, more adventures in the life of our star, Dennis Day. Meanwhile, be sure to use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Keep right on saving used fats and oils. Turn them into your dealer and he'll pay you more for your used fats and oils. Mrs. Burns Smith reminding you the daylight saving time becomes effective in certain areas on April 27th. This may change the time at which the Dennis Day program is heard in your community. Please check your local paper for the time at which this program will be heard next week and each week thereafter. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Lights Out next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now let's go back to 1943, when the world was embroiled in war on several fronts. You would think that folks would only want comedies to take their mind off what the Nazis were doing, but no, people still love being frightened, if only in front of their radios. In tonight's episode, two Germans are planning to parachute into England to carry out a military exercise. Episode entitled... They met at Dorset. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out. Everybody. It is later than you think. Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler. Tonight we tell you a story about two gentlemen, no, uh, two men, of the German army, the Nazi army. The scene is a bombing plane flying over England. But... And now, lights out. Everybody.
Lieutenant. Herr Hauptmann. You are ready? Fertig, Herr Hauptmann. No, speak English now. We are almost there. And remember, from the moment your feet touch that blasted English soil, only English. Yes, Captain. Now, check your equipment. Parachute, rucksack, gun. All in order, sir. We should be there in a few moments. Now, remember, if for any reason I do not get to our point of rendezvous, or if I'm not there when you get there, you are to wait two hours and then go on alone to Melbourne and carry out our orders. Understood? Yes, Captain. Pilot! Your Herr Hauptmann. Wir sind da? Zwei Minuten mehr. Also, Bombenhölle verlassen. Je vais faire, Herr Hauptmann. Hedge is open. It is time to go. Oh, uh, one thing more, Lieutenant. Yes, Captain. I uh, was ordered to tell you this just before we jump. If you are successful in your part of this mission, the General wishes me to inform you that the Führer himself will reward you. Now jump. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Pilot, I'm going. Danke. Heil Hitler. Captain, you all right, sir? Not Captain, you fool. The name is Edward. Yours is Thomas. Understood? Yes, Edward. Uh, Oh, you are hurt. My foot twisted when I landed. Perhaps you had better Are you going to tell me what to do? Oh, no, sir. Give me your arm. Yes, sir. Oh? Yes, Edward. Half a kilometer down the road is the house. In the morning, Bearcroft will meet us there. But your foot, sir. My foot will be all right. Infernal English climate. Faster, my dear uh, Thomas. The Englishmen have work to do. Uh, You see, my dear Thomas, you should never doubt what intelligence gives you. Ten, eleven, twelve steps. So... Now's the key. You have not lost the key? Oh, no, sir. I have it here. Get the door open. Infernal rain. No? Open it. It is stuck, sir. Ah, here, let me. What's the matter with you? It is open. In, quickly. Well, now we can turn on our lights. These British, how well they built the old piles of masonry. Come, we will build a fire and make ourselves quite comfortable until Berkhoff arrives in the morning. Yes, Edward. There is no longer any danger of our being observed. Yes, Captain. Captain. What? I thought I heard... You heard what? Laughter. (laughs) Internal flashlight. Give me yours. Yes, Captain. Now, walk on. This house is empty for years. We should know by now that our military intelligence makes no mistakes. Yes, Captain. (laughs) Captain. I heard. (laughs) Door to the right. Remember your orders, Thomas. Yes, Edward. (laughs) Good evening, gentlemen. Won't you come in by the fire? Um, yes, thank you. Come, Thomas. Uh, my name is Burley. Uh, I am Edward Cooper. 
My friend Thomas Davies and I got lost in the rain. Uh, we thought this house was quite deserted. <laughs> deserted? Not for 500 years. Well, may I present Lady Burley? How do you do? How do you do? My great aunt, Mrs. Westland. How, How do, you do you do? Now, William, they can meet the rest of the family later. Does someone give them a drink? They're soaked to the skin. Here you are, gentlemen. Oh, yes, gentlemen, my son-in-law, John Pearson. How do you do? How do you do? do, you do? Uh, drink them while they're hot, gentlemen. Thank you. Really, you gentlemen should get out of your wet things. Would you like to go up there? Uh, no, no, thank you. We're quite all right, but confused. Confused? Yes. Uh, Mr. Davies and I were told on good authority that this property hadn't been occupied for the past 25 years. My dear man, where do you think you are? Melford Towers. Good heavens, young man, you are lost. You certainly are. Milford Towers, that's two miles north of here. You're at Dorset Manor. Just took the wrong turn somewhere. Milford Towers, Mr. Carver. Uh, Cooper. Uh, Mr. Cooper, why in the world were you going to Milford Towers on a night like this? Please forgive our inquisitiveness, Mr. Cooper, but after all, Milford Towers is quite deserted, you know. Yes, we know. Uh, what do you mean, sir? Oh, uh, Mr. Davies here and I started quite early. Lost ourselves completely. It got dark, and, uh, well, here we are. Oh, yes. Uh, John. Yes, Sir William. Ring up the constable. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, wait a minute. Why the constable? Well, it's quite obvious. Is it? Of course. Uh, ring up the constable, John. No, put up your hands, all of you. Oh, I say now. Oh, what is he going to do with the gun? What is he going to do with the gun? Make that old woman keep quiet. Hans. Old woman. Uh, the cannon kind of chance, Naaman. The emergency Tilton. I said to keep your hands up. German, William. German spies. Not spies, old woman. German soldiers. You're in civilian clothing. German soldiers, Englishmen. Soldiers. Soldiers to rescue a soldier. William, what are they talking about? How long did you think we would permit you to keep our great Rudolf Hess in prison? Malhoff! Rudolf Hess! What are you? Shut your mouth! How dare you? You two! No, no, no. Now quiet, all of you! Nimsy, next in Simmer and Schweitzer. Alle? Alle. Quickly. Go. All of you. Do as he says. Or do you want me to shoot? The next room, quickly. Well, I suppose... Where is he Well, Lieutenant, we are all dead here, Captain. No more wood. The room is warm enough. Yes, Captain. Uh, now then, where was I? Oh, yes. Bearcroft will bring an automobile. We will then proceed to this point on a the map. There are a few hand grenades in the right place, and Herr Hess will be with us. Then we will... Lieutenant, didn't I just tell you no more wood on the fire? It's warm enough. Yes, Captain. Uh, is it still raining out there? Oh, yes, Captain. Uh, internal climate... Yes, Captain. Yet, the weather is fortunate. Who will come here on a night such as this? Uh -huh. Yes, Captain. Uh, no matter. As soon as it is daylight, we will go. Seven in the morning, Berkhoff will be there. We'll meet him. Yes, Captain. Yes, Captain. Yes, Captain. Does none of this mean anything to you? No. No, never mind. You're a good soldier. You believe. You obey. Always, Herr Captain. I, too. So we will win. Always. Yes, Captain. It will be most satisfactory, eh, Lieutenant? To tell about this little adventure when we get home. To come right in under the noses of the British and... What are you listening to? I... I don't know, sir. There's nothing. 
Leave a god, man. Why do you stand there with your head twisted like an old woman waiting for... I heard... <laughs> Be still. <laughs> In the next room. Who? We will find out. And you told me there was no one left. There was no one. Come. Good evening, gentlemen. Won't you come in by the fire? They all of them. Uh, my name is Burley. May I present Lady Burley? How do you do? Shot them. You said you shot them. Uh, my great aunt, Mrs. Westland. How do you do? Now, William, they can meet the rest of the family later. Someone give them a drink. They're soaked to the skin. I did kill them. You dirty liar. There you are, gentlemen. Your drink. No! You blasted Englanders. What is this trick? Oh, yes, gentlemen. My son-in-law, John Pierce. Stop talking! This time you will die! Captain. What? Could you tell me the time, please? Uh, Twelve minutes after three. Why? How soon will we go? In the morning, in the morning. You want to get lost again in that infernal woods? No, Captain. What is the matter with you? Nothing, sir. No, I understand. Your dereliction of duty. You think I will report? No. Help me carry out our orders tomorrow. And the fact that you did not shoot those Englanders as I ordered will never reach the ears of Berlin. Anyway, we are dead now. You know that. I know that. It is ended. <laughs> oh, again. It is they. No, I shot them myself. I saw the bodies fall. It is they. No, it isn't. It cannot be. I'll show you. I'll show you. You see, they are dead. They... Good evening, gentlemen. Won't you come in by the fire? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a moment of relaxation, if you please, in this story of death while we all assure ourselves that we are who we are and where we are. And in this moment of reality, let's listen in on a very real problem of these war days. A woman is saying... Of course I want to keep up my war work. Every American does. Oh, but I'm afraid it's too much for me. I'm losing weight. I wake up mornings as tired as when I went to bed. I can't eat or sleep as I should. I'm... I'm so all in, I can't go on. But, madam, perhaps you don't have to go on like that. Maybe all you need is more vitamin B and iron. Well, how, how could that be? Authorities explain it this way. When you don't get enough vitamin B from your meals, you may have lost your appetite, not eat all you need. So you lose weight, lose your pep and ambition. Or your food may not do you the good it should. And when you don't get enough iron from what you eat, you may be weak and pale feel only half alive. But if that's your deficiency, my advice is try ironized yeast tablets. Ironized yeast tablets? Yes, ma'am. They give you both vitamin B and iron. So when you need them, ironized yeast helps two ways to step up your weight and strength and energy. Yet the cost is but a few pennies a day. And talk about easy. Why, pleasant little ironized yeast tablets are an absolute 
cinch to take. Try them if more vitamin B and iron is all you need. Then see if pretty quick you aren't saying... It's glorious to feel so good. I've forgotten what tired means. Everybody says I look wonderful, too, since I've gained these nice pounds. How thankful I am for ironized yeast tablets. And now back to Lights Out. The Nazi soldiers sit in the house of the family they have murdered. Lieutenant. Hans. Lieutenant, I'm talking to you. How's you sit? Last you say something. I order you to say something. I have nothing to say, sir. Well, you can speak. You infernal fool, you. Why are you so afraid? You have your gun, your hand grenades, a knife. Why be afraid? Stop turning your head that way. Listen to me. There's nothing to listen to out there. There's nothing out there. Nothing, nothing. If they... They will do nothing. They are dead. Do you want to go into that room and see that they are dead? They are dead. No. Why should I have to convince you? Three times? How often must I tell you? I saw the same thing happen in a campaign in Poland. Poland? Why do you hold on to my words? Yes, in Poland. The first campaign, there were snipers in the village. We wiped out everyone, men, women, children. But the next morning, the vermin were there again. Uh -huh. We thought they were there. I didn't see them. Others did and went running through the streets throwing hand grenades. There was an explanation, of course. There is an explanation for everything. The men who saw, who thought they saw, were tired. Their eyes played tricks. I heard the doctors in my division talking. They said it was tricks of the mind. Those people are dead. They must be dead. You... You too are afraid. Blasted insubordinate idiot. How dare you? I'm not afraid. I'm afraid of nothing. If, if they would only come. I believe in the Fuhrer and his destiny. I can never be afraid. If, if they laugh again. Stop talking. I order it. They will not. <laughs> My infernal leg swollen. Lieutenant, listen. To what? Not to anything. To me. Oh. Go in the next room. Look. <gasps> Look. You questioned an order? You said they were dead this time. Why? Look it. I order you to go. Do not just sit there. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me. I'm I'm thinking that, that maybe this is what I've always been afraid of. In Czechoslovakia, in Holland, in Belgium, in, in France. This is what I always was afraid of. Of what? That someday I would wait for them. I commanded a firing squad in Slovakia. We shot women. What's that got to do with this? In Belgium, too. Women. What are you talking about? In Poland, the, the tank I was in was covered with the blood of the children and women. You blasted fool. You are a soldier of the greater German Reich. I think to myself, why don't I just leave you here and run? You would not dare. I think to myself... What is the use? Sooner or later, they will come for me. Who? Who will come for you? The dead. Shut your mouth! The dead are dead. 
we exterminate the vermin for the glory of the Great Reich. I always suspected you, Hans Miller, you weak-minded fool. I explained everything to you. Hallucination, always hallucination. I, I know what I will do. What? If they laugh again, I know what I will do. Yeah, yeah. Grenade. What are you going to do with that hand grenade? I hold it. Take your fingers off the firing pin. No. I order you. No. I am your superior officer. Put that grenade down. No. You maniac. What are you going to do? Sit and wait. For what? If they laugh again, we were wrong. You and I. You and I in the field. How dare you? All wrong. And I will pull out the firing pin and we will die. Put down the grenade. If we were wrong, I would rather finish it here, now, than wait again. You crazy. No. That gun, put it down or I will pull the pin. All right, all right. I'll leave you here. I will go. My leg. You see, you will stay with me and wait. Hans, in the Führer's name, be careful. That firing pin is loose if you pull it. Be... Do not be afraid. If they do not laugh again until it is dawn, I will believe what you said. That it was hallucination. Yes, yes, it was a hallucination. If they do not laugh again and it is day again, I will believe. If they do not laugh again. sleep, sir. With you sitting there, grenade in your hand. Hans, listen to me. It is almost dawn. Not yet. It is almost dawn and nothing has happened. They are dead. So put down that grenade. Get our things together. Help me and we will go out to Melford. And meet Berghoff. When it is dawn. But in a few moments it will be day. I know it. Then wait for those minutes. If they do not laugh again, I will believe. And we will live. They will not laugh again. Never. Look. <gasps> On the wall. Light, the sun, day. Not quite. I was right, and the fear, right. No one can stop us. We are the chosen. Put down that grenade, Hansen. Listen, listen. To what? To what? I, I thought that I heard. Way <laughs> again. No. Way again. Hans, don't put that ring. Hans, for God's sake. God. You said God. Listen. Listen to them. God sent them back. No, it's not them. Hans, put down the grenade. It is they. The dead come back to repay us for what we've done. No, don't pull the trigger. It's not them. Wait, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. Oh, my leg. But I will get up. 
Wait, Hunch. I'll open the door. I'll show you they are dead. Someone is in there. I'll show you, show you. Good evening, gentlemen. Won't you come in by the fire? <laughs> you see, it is the dead. You were wrong. Oh, the grenade, don't hunch. No! Good morning, Harold. Lovely morning. Aye. Certainly rained last night. <laughs> and that thunder. What brings you out so early, Harold? Oh, me old woman told me she had an explosion or something just at daybreak, so I come over. Explosion? Aye. <laughs> uh, she must have dreamt it. Birds singing in the morning. No explosion here. Aye. <sighs> But I do wish they'd tear down these old ruins. It does no good leaving them stand there to remind us that Sir William and all his family were killed by a German air bomb three years ago. Three years ago last night. Mr. Obler, Mr. Obler. Miracle? And what's wrong with miracles? Everything around us is a miracle, but more of that in a moment. And let me take the moment to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, if due to vitamin B and iron shortage, you're so miserably thin and run down, so weak and pale and exhausted that you're missing out on your work and in your fun, try ironized yeast tablets. Thousands who only needed more vitamin B and iron Thank Ironized Yeast Tablets for helping them gain glorious new pep and strength. And five, ten, even more pounds of good new flesh, often in a few short weeks. Ironized Yeast is sold on this no-risk, money-back basis. If you don't quickly begin to eat and sleep better, to feel much stronger, peppier, and more alive, if, in short, you're not 100% pleased with the result, the cost of the first bottle will be refunded to you in full... By Ironized Yeast, Box IY, Rawway, New Jersey. Just be sure you get the genuine, the one and only, Ironized Yeast. Look for the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. And now, what about miracles, Mr. Robler? Well, let's consider a few. The air we breathe, that miracle of nothingness that gives us life. Uh, the miracle of intelligence, that we think a thing and then bring our thought to reality. The ability to think and then... One's own mind, be any place in the world in a split second, conjure up people, ideas, yes, all these things are miracles. Everything in life, including life itself, is a miracle. That, my friends, was literally what was said a long time ago on the subject by a man by the name of Napoleon. Well, I'm beginning to see what you mean. Now, Frank, to bring our miracles down to the present, how about the spirit of a people? Twenty-some-odd miles of channel water between them and the Nazi barbarians? A single night in which an area as large as the average American large town was ablaze with incendiary bombs, and yet those people went through to lead the fight. Or take the miracle of those three American boys in a float in mid-Pacific, on a raft, or, or the miracle of Stalingrad, or, or the miracle of an entire nation turning from a soft, easy way of life to an all-out production for war and victory. We, all of us, are living hourly in a series of miracles. And when the final victory comes, well, we can all look forward to that that greater miracle of a 
world of free men working together for the good of all men. Now, it may seem a, a far cry from the miracle of heroism to talking about that war stamp book of yours, but there's another little miracle. Eight 25-cent stamps, eight hand grenades. Six 25-cent stamps, one winter combat helmet. Thirty 10-cent stamps, a pair of jungle fighting boots. An anti-tank mine for 15 50-cent stamps. A commando trench knife for 40 10-cent stamps. Now, in addition to putting your dollars in the fighting lines through the payroll savings plan, you can get at the axis with your spare coins by buying war stamps. Every empty space you fill in with your stamp album adds to the rain of steel going into the camps of the enemy. Every time you fill your album and turn it in for a bomb, well, you turn it into a bomb. You turn the rain of steel into a hurricane. Your way to do more to help beat the axis is by buying enough stamps to fill the empty spaces in your stamp book. Then turn it in for a war bond. You can buy those stamps at your bank, your post office, your saving and loan association, your radio station, your picture show, your department store, your general store. It will bring on that in final, inevitable miracle of peace. And what about next week? Well, it's a story set a long way from here, the sea-swept island of Iran. Iran? Where's that? Well, that's in the North Sea. It's one of the weirdest places in the world, Frank, and the natives live as close to death as they are to the sea, which never stops tearing at the cliffs. Oddly enough, the story is titled The Sea. And if you like the chill of the unknown as much as I think you do, tune in next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Arch Obler's eerie story, The Sea. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast, the one and only Ironized Yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is Later than you think. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Whistler, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.